Uh, with that, we'll turn our minds to a thought we're going to call today thinking different. All right, thinking different. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4, uh, the, the second half of that chapter. But before we get into that here, let me just ask you a question and see if you can identify with maybe what we're talking about today. So have you ever found yourself in a situation or a position wishing that you had done something different? You made a decision, you experienced the result, and you were thinking, oh, I wish I would have made a different decision. Yes, sir. Why did I do that? That's exactly what we're talking about today is how do we battle that? How is it that we can finally uh, and hopefully find some consistency in overcoming those leanings of our heart that draws us to do things that don't honor God as much? And so what I need to happen is I need to think different. And to share with you uh, a story I think may help illustrate this. I know I've told you this before. Maybe you remember it or maybe you don't, but I think it fits well with today. Now I can remember when I was either a junior or senior in high school living at home. And one night my dad and mom were going to go visit some friends from our church. And so my dad said to me, Corey, if you want to go, you're, you can go, but you're just going to go with us. I said, no, I don't want to go. I'm just going to stay home. Okay, well, you stay home and watch your brother. We'll be back in a little while. Okay. So when they left, I took my brother to a friend of ours' house. I got in my car and drove myself to the same house. And so I'm sitting there with their kids in a different room, and we're just talking, having a good time. And I don't know how my dad figured it out. I don't know if he heard us or what, but... All I remember is my dad walking into that room and saying, Corey, you had better be home before I get home. And the son and daughter were like, ooh. And I was like, oh, you know, I was tough, right? I was just trying to be tough. Like, I'll go home when I want to go home. And I want to go home right now. <laughs> so I ran out their front door and got in my car and went and picked up my brother and took him home. And I sat there on that couch, what seemed like for hours, waiting for my dad to walk through that door. Mom and dad have a split-level home, so when you walk in, you got stairs, right? You can go up or down. And so you can see, like, the heads of people when they walk in. And so I'm sitting on this couch looking, and I see my dad walk in, and it kind of makes me nervous right now even telling you the story. That's the most terrified that I've ever been in my life, as far as I can remember. And I was thinking the whole time, what was I thinking? Why did you do that? That was so dumb. Like, Corey. And my dad comes up the steps and he turns my direction and he gets right in my face like he has never done before. Uh, and he does a gesture there that I will never forget. He said, you showing up at that house was just like doing this to me. And he was like, wasn't yelling or anything like that. But I thought I was getting ready to meet Jesus. I mean, he was not happy. And my mom's standing at the stairs. She looked as scared as I was because she didn't know what was going to happen. And she was the same thing. Corey, what were you thinking? Why in the world would you show up like that? It just doesn't make any sense, does it? So sometimes in our lives, as we look back, we can see times where we ask that same question. What were we thinking? Now, why did I do that? Or we kind of wish we could go back and say, 
you know, I'd like to make a different decision or I'd like to do something different. So we've all had those kinds of things in our life. But here's what we're going to look at really today. If we could summarize the message in a sentence, it would be this. Our thoughts influence our attitudes, which then drive our actions. And so if I want to look at why I act a certain way, it's always connected to what? What I think. Right? So how I think ultimately drives what I do. And we'll see that to be true in the Bible as well today. So how many times have you heard somebody say, or say uh, I just wasn't thinking? How many times have you heard a parent or a coach, police officer, somebody say to you or somebody else, what were you thinking? Right? What are they implying by that? We weren't thinking. You know, and this just occurred to me this week as I was preparing for today, like, I, I can't think of anything good that comes from not thinking. Right? I mean, when, when's, what is something good that comes from with not thinking at all? Usually that's when we get in trouble, right? Why did you do that? I wasn't thinking. And so when we think and we let those think, uh, thoughts influence our attitudes, it comes out in our actions, and that's important. So I don't need to be a person that suspends my thinking. Stopping thinking doesn't lead to good. My natural way of thinking doesn't lead to good. So what I need to do is think differently. I need to think differently. And Paul's going to make this clear if we go to Ephesians 4. So if you want to turn there, we're going to make our way through the the second half of this chapter. Um, but let's address some of the things, at least part of the context that's taking place there at the, the first half of this chapter. Paul's going to start off by saying, hey, listen, you want to live like people who are worthy of God. And that comes with certain expectations. And so here are some of the requirements. Here's what it looks like. He also talks about the unity that is found in uh, the family of God and believers. And so fight hard to protect the unity. And understand that God has gifted every one of you for distinct purposes, but that's to work in unity as his body. And so he's given evangelists, and he's given prophets, and he's given pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the works of service or the works of the ministry. And that's part of the reason that we gather here. Uh, But then he's also going to say, hey, listen, part of this mind change means that we need to grow up. And so let's stop being like kids who are kind of tossed everywhere around by all sorts of different teaching. And let's, let's grow up. Let's mature in the truth so that we're able to not only stand, but we're able to teach others as well. So verse 17 begins this way. So I tell you this, and I insist on this in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and they are separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they are full of greed. Now as we work through this, you'll see lots of words indicating mind or think. All right, and So that's really what Paul's addressing here. Verse 20, that, however, is not the way of life that you learned when you heard about Christ and you were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. So we've learned, we hear, we taught truth, all sorts of words here talking about 
um, the mind, addressing the mind. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin, and do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who's been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only speak what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. So what you see kind of in the second uh, half of what we've just read is the application of the put off and put on. And so we're really looking at put off, put on, but primarily verse 23. Uh, and that's really important if we're ever going to be able to not only think different, but to, to live different. So a few things we'll highlight as we make our way through, and feel free to write these down if that helps you uh, track or if it helps you understand. You know, I was at the men's retreat here this past weekend, all day Friday, and I, I love to just sit, and I love to be taught. And it's just, I enjoy that. So this guy's speaking, and I'm just writing like crazy, looking at verses and writing down promises and being reminded of truth and writing down questions so for me, that helps me learn. That may not help you whatsoever, but if it does, and I would encourage you to work with how God's made you, all right? Take opportunity here to get a little bit better. All right, so we're going to think different. We need to uh, because suspending our thinking doesn't turn out good. Our natural way of thinking, what were you thinking, gets us in trouble. So I need to think different. And the first way we're going to say it begins with a willingness to be changed, it begins with a willingness to be changed. So I shared in my story earlier, sometimes we want to be the ultimate authority in our life. And so I decide what I'm going to do. Corey, if you're going to go, you're going to go with us, okay? And they left, and I decided that I was the authority in my life, right? I know better. I'm smarter than you. I'm independent. Uh, I can do things my own way. And what I really proved that day was that I wasn't as tough as I thought I was. I wasn't independent, right, or else I would have stayed at the house. I scurried home, right, and sat on that couch like a scared dog. Uh, and just these ways demonstrate that I wasn't mature. I wasn't what I thought I was. And so as I'm sitting there thinking, I need to do something different, uh, it was just a good reminder that it starts with something in me has got to give. Something in me has got to change. And so if we're ever going to think differently I've got to come at this with a humble heart. So if your Bibles are open, chapter 4 here, this is not on the wall, but let's read verse 1 and 2. It really addresses the heart or the mind that we need to come at this with. So Ephesians 4 verse 1 says, As a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Verse 2 in the NIV says, Be completely humble. Be completely humble. 
For me to humble myself means I'm submitting under the authority of somebody else. And I'm recognizing that I need something outside of me to change me. I need some help. Because when I try to think different on my own, it may produce temporary results, but it does not last. And I've got a history that supports that is true. See, all of us are born spiritually ignorant. Every one of us in this room. And lots of people live their entire lives spiritually ignorant. They may have lots of intelligence and they may have lots of knowledge and they may be able to teach and pass on lots of information. That doesn't mean a thing as it relates to spiritual knowledge, right? spiritual growth, the spiritual intellect. So we start spiritually ignorant. That's natural. What we need to do is think differently and that is supernatural. I need something outside of me that's going to help me change. And so let's go back and start again where we did in verse 17. And just looking here at this willingness to be changed, thinking about um, how we once lived and how we need to live. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do. I want to make a connection here. Don't live how? All right? Don't live as the Gentiles do. What you see in this verse is that what we do is directly connected to what we think. It's right there, right there for you. Don't do what they do. Why do they do what they do? Because their thinking is futile. It's useless. It's ineffective. Verse 18. And because of this, listen, they're darkened in their understanding. They're separated from the life of God because they're ignorant. And that ignorance is in them. It's due to their hard heart. And their hard heart is make them insensitive. And so they've given themselves over to sensuality as so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they're full of greed. So Paul here specifically is talking to believers, and what he says is, if you're a believer, live like it. You want to know how you live like it? You've got to start by being humble and allowing God to help you think differently. And so the connection there is this, what I do is directly tied to what I think. And if what I think leads me to do things that are not right, I need to think different. Does that make sense? Right? I don't need to do different. Doing different is not the goal. Thinking different is the goal. Right? If I think different, then what will I do? Then I'll be different. I'll do different. But there's a pivotal verse, and that's our second point here, and we'll get to that in just a minute. That verse 23 is huge and helping us understand how we shift from the old and how we can actually live in the new. And so Paul says these unbelievers were living in a way that's futile, it's ineffective, their thinking is useless, it's pointless. And so their thinking was not leading them to live the way they've been designed to live. Did they care? No. And that's the sad part of what God inspired Paul to write here about the Gentiles who were living around these Ephesian believers. The sad picture is that these Gentiles did not realize it. They didn't see that they needed to think differently, and the result then wasn't they didn't humble themselves, but they hardened themselves towards God and the things of God. And so let's look at the progression here. We could start here and actually work backwards. And so they have lost all sensitivity. Why did they become insensitive to the thinking or the ways of God? 
If you back it up, because their hearts were hard. Their hearts are hard, and so it's not plowable. It's kind of like our farmer out here. Our farmer doesn't plow out front. Why? Because that ground's hard. It's not tillable. You can't plant on asphalt. He plants back here where it's soft, it's tillable, it's plowable. It's where something can grow. It's sensitive. See, these Gentile believers had hardened their heart to the things of God and it had made them insensitive to God, to His Word. That's just one thing. It gets pretty grim here. And so not only are their hearts hard, but they are ignorant. They're ignorant of the life that God has designed them to live. Their hearts are darkened and they are living separated. So this is a pretty dark picture here outside of God's design. They're blind, they're ignorant, their hearts are hard, and they're insensitive. Okay? That means they're still thinking with their natural way of thinking, which we've already uh, outlined doesn't lead to things that are good. Now this way of living is also outlined in other scriptures. And I want to transition here just quickly for a minute. This connects with everything we're talking about. But I think it's important when we think about the context of our room. We've got people today growing up in a culture that culture can shape them to think in ways that don't honor God. And so let's look. This Paul writes to a different group of people. It's the exact thing that we're talking about. People who are hard-hearted. They've become insensitive. They're outside of the way that God has designed them to live. They're ignorant of the truth. And they are blind. And their works prove it. This is Romans 1. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress what? Truth. They suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. How? Well, since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power, His divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made, so that people are without, what? Excuse. No one will come before God with an excuse that I couldn't know you. God has revealed himself in general ways that allow people to consider that there is a great sustainer, there's a great designer, there's a, crea a great creator, and therefore to pursue him. But they're outside of that. They don't want to know. They knew God, but they didn't glorify Him as God. They didn't thank Him, but their, what? Their thinking became what? Futile. Does that sound similar? It's the exact thing that we're talking about. They didn't glorify God. They knew Him, but they weren't giving Him any consideration or thanks. And so their thinking became futile, futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. It's the exact same progression in Rome as it was in Ephesus. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools, and they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being, birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. So now we're getting to what I just wanted to emphasize here in the context of our room. When my heart gets hard, I get insensitive to things that are true. And it separates me from the way God has designed me to live. And I'm living in ways that don't honor God because I'm ignorant of truth. My mind is dark. I'm blinded. And so here's how it works in the sexual world. 
They exchanged the truth about God for a lie. They worshiped and served created things rather than the Creator, who is forever praised. Amen. And because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. And in the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. The Bible doesn't say that homosexuality is wrong. The Bible doesn't say that a man and a man can't get together or a woman and a woman can't marry. It doesn't say that, does it? It does say that. So if you're sitting in this room and you have friends who are experimenting with, do I want to be with a guy or a girl? And you say, well, it's just our culture. It's just our times. No, it's not. I mean, it may be our culture and times, but that doesn't make it true. We live in a culture that's just like Rome. We live in a culture that was just like Ephesus. Hard hearts makes us insensitive to truth. So we're blind and we're ignorant. And God says, hey, if you want to live that way, I'll turn you over. And you can live that way. And so they did. And they're getting all kinds of uh, consequences, negative consequences as a result of this. So you know where to go. Romans 1 says it's not right for a man and a man or a woman and a woman to be together. That's unnatural. That's not God's design. Furthermore, just as they didn't think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, here we are again. Our thinking then leads to our actions so they don't think right, so they don't do right. God's given them over to a depraved mind so that they do what ought not to be done. They become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips. They're slanderers. They're God-haters. They're insolent, arrogant, boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things because their hearts are hard and they're insensitive, so they're ignorant to truth, but what do they do? They approve of anybody else that wants to do it. What's that sound like? Turn your TV on. Turn your radio on. Read online. It's legal. And you can marry if you want to marry. And it's right. And don't let anybody tell you that it's wrong because it's not. It's good for you. It's the same culture. It's the same thing. So we need to know where to go so that we can defend what we believe. Paul was dealing with it here. Not only are they doing the things because their mind is darkened, but they approve of those who practice. That sounds a lot like our culture. Hey, on that note though, let's just be clear you know, I've heard people say, and maybe I've even said, said it before, you know, if God doesn't come back soon, he's going to have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. Folks, we are a long way away from Sodom and Gomorrah. There's more people in this room who do right than there were in Sodom and Gomorrah. Do you remember that conversation with Abram? God, if you could find, if there's 50, will you spare it? Sure, I'll spare it. You know what? There wasn't 50. If there's 40, will you spare it? Sure. There wasn't 40. He gets all the way down to 10. If there's 10 people here, will you spare it? Sure. There wasn't 10. 
So if we think our time is as bad now as it was then, we've got it good. Similar things going on, but it is not even remotely close to what Lot and his family were experiencing there. Just some real perverse, disgusting images happening there in Genesis as men are blatantly, aggressively, publicly chasing, pursuing other men. We got a long way to go before it gets to be that bad. And so as God looks at culture in Romans 1, Ephesians 4, what's he saying? What are you thinking? You're not thinking. And so I'm going to turn you over to that. And we're going to see the evidence of that. And you're going to live in ways that just prove that your thinking is darkened. The only way that we'll ever get to think differently is we've got to humble ourselves and ask God to change me. I don't need God to change you. I need God to change me. And that should be where my prayers start. In your relationship, if you're married, it's not God changed my spouse, it's God changed me. If you're a parent, it's not God changed my kids, it's God changed me. I'm not saying we don't pray for God to change our kids, but I need to be changed as much as anybody. And if I ever think I'm on a better plane than somebody else, I'm getting a little bit self-confident because I need it just as much as anyone else. The willingness to be changed comes from the realization that I need to be changed. I will never think differently if I don't first humble myself and acknowledge that I need the help of God. It's a supernatural work. And so secondly then, to think different is going to come, and this is where it all pivots, as the attitude of our mind is renewed. And so this is vital. And this is extremely important, and I think this is where sometimes we struggle. The attitude of our mind has got to be renewed. And so, so often, this is the part of the process that gets overlooked. Put off, put on. Put off, put on. Don't do that, do this. Don't do that, do this. And it says that exactly in Ephesians 4, except for verse 23. 23 is, is the power. 23 is the pivot. 23 is what's necessary for you and I to actually do this in a way that is right. It's not just behavioral modification. It's not just legal, uh, being legalistic. It's transformation. And so it comes, to think different comes as the attitude of my mind is being renewed. And so let's think of it this way for a minute. Let's say that we had a child that was harming another child. Maybe it happens in your home. Maybe you remember it happening to you. If somebody comes along and says to that child, stop it, does that help? It may help for a moment. Maybe they actually stop it, right? Have they been changed? Is the thinking that led them to act that way different? No. Maybe there's a consequence and they're a little bit afraid of the authority so they don't do it for a while, but what usually happens when the authority steps away, it happens again because I'm pretty sure we don't say stop it just one time. And then they become perfect. It didn't work that way for me. Maybe it did for you. Stop it never changes the way that we think. It's just a short-term quick fix. I'm not saying it's something we shouldn't use. I'm simply saying it doesn't address what's really driving the action. It's kind of like 
when we have, if we have a disease that's taken our life and it's given me bad headaches, I'm going to take medicine for my headache. I'm just not going to worry about the disease that's killing me. What should I give more priority to? The disease that's killing me. If I can take care of that, you know what goes away? My headaches. The root cause of what I do or don't do that doesn't honor God is the way that I think. It's the attitude of my mind. And so my attitude needs to be changed. My mind needs to be changed. I don't start with my actions. I need to think different. And so back in verse 20, that, however, the way the Gentiles lived, right? Hard hearts made them insensitive. They're outside of the life that God designed. They're blind. They're ignorant. That's not the life that you, what? Learned. Here we are again, back to stuff that we should know. This doesn't have anything to do with what you feel. I feel like it's right for me. doesn't matter if you feel like it's right. If God's word says no, then what? It means no. doesn't matter how I feel about it. It's not the way of life that you learned. When you heard about Christ and you were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. Do you see all this here? We're born spiritually ignorant. That's natural. To do right, to live the way God has designed us to live, we need to think differently. That is a work of the Spirit through the teaching of truth. There's a partnership here that's taking place. You were taught with regard to put your former way of life, to, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. And usually what we think is, if I put off, then what I need to do? Put on. Put off, put on. But verse 23 is different. Be made new in the attitude of your minds. Acknowledge that you need to be changed. Verse 22. Trust here to God to help us think differently. And then guess what happens? Then I can put on this new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And so Paul is clearly and simply stating how thinking differently works. It starts with truth in Christ. So we know truth. We learn truth, so then we can teach truth, and other people can hear truth, and then they can learn and be changed there as well. And so put off the old way of living, and he outlines some of what that looks like. Put on the new way of living, and he outlines some of what that looks like, but it hinges on that verse 23. We need to be renewed in the attitude of our minds. So I need a partnership here with God. I need his spirit taking his word and changing the way that I literally think. So what does that require of me? Let's just put it in maybe a simple terms here. If you were taking a math class, but you never studied the math book, you never listened to the teacher, how well would you expect to do on the test? You show up at test day and you get a big fat zero or an F. But what if you're all frustrated? I can't believe this. I shouldn't get an F on this. And so you, you don't study, you don't go to class, you don't talk to the teacher, and you show up for the next test. What would you expect to happen? Another F, maybe? Another zero? Right. Why? Because you're not learning. You're not putting the time in. You're not putting yourself in position, or I'm not putting myself in position to hear and to be challenged. 
and to be built and to be equipped and to ask the hard questions. And so it's the same way here. Right? I'll, I'll never be able to fully live out what God asked me to do if I'm not being changed. So what do I need to do to think different? Ma'am? I need my attitude to be changed, absolutely. And that comes as I get in the Word of God. For me to never read God's Word or to read it every Sunday when it's on the wall, but never read it more than that, but to go out and think that I'm going to live in ways that honor God is foolish. You're showing up and waking up every day with a big fat F just sitting out in front of you. I promise you, you can't memorize enough to do and not to do, to actually do it every day. The Pharisees tried to do that apart from God. What was it? 614 laws they came up with. God gave them 10 commandments. They took a letter out of every word in the 10 commandments, 614 or whatever the number is, I can't remember exactly, and they made a law for every letter. Can you imagine having to wake up every day and remind yourself of 614 things to do or not do? And then on some days, it's even worse. You know, on the Sabbath, there's things you can't do on the previous day or the day after. There's no way. Do this, don't do that. Do this, don't do that. And just try to memorize. And God has not built us that way. That's why he's given us his spirit. You know what the spirit's, one of his primary roles is? He's the illuminator. He brings truth to light. So now we're ready to receive and we're no longer walking in ignorance. He helps us understand the life that God has created for us to live. So for me to be somebody that's being changed, to think differently, I've got to do my part. I've got to immerse myself in God's word. I want you to think about what is your what does your Bible study look like on Tuesday, Thursday night? Would you say, I am immersing my mind in the Word of God? I'm being soaked in truth. The only way you're ever going to think differently, think God's thoughts, is to allow your mind to be soaked in truth and then to have the Spirit applying that truth to your mind. Paul wrote about it in Romans 12. Don't conform. Don't just change your behavior. You need to be transformed. I need to be transformed. Okay, how? By the renewing of our minds. That means I need to think different. Well, why is it I get frustrated when people cut me off on the road? Because I'm not thinking differently. I'm asking I'm trying to change myself. I'm kind of skipping verse 23. Corey put off the old and put on the new. I know I shouldn't behave that way, but my mind hasn't been changed. Why is it still you blow up or you get angry? Why is it that we won't forgive? It's because we're not being changed. To be changed means I've got to soak in what's true. If you want to A on that math test, you got to go to class and listen to the teacher and you got to study hard. That's the only way it happens. If we want to have an A, so to speak, in life here, if we want to do good, we've got to listen to the master teacher. We've got to study his word. We've got to look at how he lived and then ask him to change us. Make my heart and my mind plowable. I don't want a mind that's like the asphalt in front. I want a mind that's like the soft ground in the back. 
You know what grows out front? Drives me insane. And it grows out here. We don't have to do anything. And they grow like we want them to. <laughs> weeds. Right? Nobody wants weeds. You know what grows in the back? It's soybeans, right? Things that are profitable. Things that are good. Things that are helpful. Things that are effective. To have a hard mind towards the things of God is futility. It's ineffective. It's useless. It's pointless. But to have a tender heart, a sensitive mind that's plowable to the truths of God's word, now things can grow that are effective. They have purpose. They're useful in our transformation. And that's important because what we think, we what? We do. And so here it is. It's not just do different. Stop it. Don't do that. It's think different. And when God's changing me, I will do different. And I've seen that evidence in my life. I just need to see more of it. And I would say that you would probably agree with that. Uh, I hope that is the case. So thinking different leads to different attitudes, which leads to different actions, and that honors Christ. Right? That gets to the end goal here. Verse 24 and really verse 32 says the same thing. It's just an example. What Christ has done for you and in you, that should be something that flows through you for other people. Did Christ love you? Yes. Should we love others? Yes. Is his word good for us? Yes. You know what the Bible says about your words? My words? Don't let anything unwholesome come out of your mouth. The only things I should ever say should have the power to build people or to be according to their needs or be beneficial to them. Boy, that makes me hesitant to want to even talk, which is not a bad thing. I think about what we're saying, how we're saying it. Make sure that it's effective. When Jesus taught, he didn't say anything that was unnecessary. He didn't say anything that was rude or out of line or was tearing people down. Every word he said was powerful, was purposed. It could build people up. It had a way of dressing their needs. It was beneficial. And so he says, hey, that's who I am. That's who you should be. How do I get that way? I got to think differently. I need his help there. Talks about living in ways that are true and right. That's the example of Christ, and that's the life that we're to live as well. So when my heart is hard, I'm insensitive to the things of God. And when I'm insensitive to the things of God, I'm living outside of how God has designed me to live. I'm spiritually ignorant. I can have lots of letters after my name. I can write books. I can be on shows. I can receive worldly awards, but still be as blind as I was when I entered the world. I need something outside of me that will work inside of me to allow me to think differently. So it's never wise for us to live outside of God's ways. So we humble ourselves, right? That was the first one. Humble ourselves, ask God to change us, acknowledge that we need the change, and then we're going to immerse ourselves in his word, helping us, causing us to be renewed so that we lead a life that reflects and honors Christ. Verse 24 says, put on the new self. Put on the new self. It's created how? To be like God. In doing right and in holiness. When God created you, he created you 
to be holy. When God created me, he created me to do what is right. Often I don't do right. I'm not entirely holy. And so all that gives evidence of is I need to think different. I need the attitude of my mind to be renewed. And so we've been created to be a reflection of God and to do what is right and holy in his eyes. And as we're changed and live in this unity, it's good for us and God is honored uh, as we begin to think his ways. So spiritually ignorant is how we start. Spiritually ignorant is not how we have to finish. And so hopefully we're all in process right now. And hopefully we're plowable. And maybe that's where we start today. God, maybe you feel like you know enough that you don't need to really know anymore. I would just challenge you on that. All right? To say that you don't know enough. I would challenge you to say, can you back up all of your beliefs biblically speaking? Can you point to where it's found? This past week in one of my classes, I was talking about how the Word of God will never fade away. It will never pass until all things are finished. People have tried to burn them. People have tried to hack websites that are Christian websites. They've tried to shut down Bible apps. They've tried to kill people who, and they have killed people who interpret the Bible. You know what the Bible keeps doing? It just goes on and on. It keeps flourishing. You can't stop it. It's impossible. I said, the Word of God says not even one iota will pass away. You know, the dotting of an I or comma, crossing of a T, none of that will pass away until Jesus returns. Hand goes up. Hey, Mr. Penn. Yes. Where does it say that? Ooh. Matthew. Matthew 5. So what do we do? Turn our Bibles there. Read it out for, ah, oh, I didn't know it was there. Right? Lots of times I say the Word of God says, and I couldn't draw it from memory. I know it says it. I just may not be able to draw it from memory exactly at that point. And so what's that say to me? Corey, you've got a long way to go still. There's lots of the Word of God still to memorize and to understand and to learn. And I want to. And I'm hungry for that. I want to be changed. I want to think differently. Because I know how I think sometimes. And I see what I do sometimes. And that's not like Christ. I need a change. And I've lived it for a while. I tried to change me, and it doesn't work. Put off, put on. Put off, put on does not work. You might stop for a little while, but you know what you're going to end up doing? You're going to go right back and put on what you put off. The only way it works is the way it's been designed to be renewed in our minds, think differently, so that our attitudes and our actions are reflective of Christ. And we honor him. <laughs> we are not finished yet. And I don't mean the sermon. You're like, we got to be finished. I'm saying we're not complete yet. Is that a true statement? He who began a good work, will, he will complete it. So we're in process. Right? And so don't get discouraged with yourself. Be kind to yourself. Show some grace. 
Same kind of grace that God's showing to you, but don't settle for what you already know. And let's don't live just on past victories. Let's look forward today to what God's got in store in changing us and helping us to live in ways that reflect and honor Him. You are a masterpiece that God has designed before you and I ever took a breath to be made in the image of God, to be renewed with the mind of God, to live a life that knows and honors God, and ultimately one day live a life with God. And we're somewhere in the middle of all of that. I just want to encourage you to press on. Don't quit. All right? Be an encouragement to the person sitting beside you, in front of you, around you. Help them be a, a person that's growing, being renewed as well.